Your program helps point me to Jesus and not look back. William in West Virginia. I'm Charles Morris here with Haven Today. So many people find this program and tell us the significance in their life with Christ. We are less than a week away from the end of our fiscal year. We still need to raise $308,538 to meet our budget and keep sharing Jesus with Christians and non-Christians alike. May we count on you to help meet our goal? Another sweeping decision from the U.S. Supreme Court, this one yesterday, striking down a gun rights law in New York State. It was a high bar for concealed carry permits, and now it's no longer. The court highly expanding gun rights. The High Court on the Second Amendment to the Constitution in the ruling that came down yesterday. There was another major ruling from the justices in Washington. The Supreme Court ruled the state of Maine's tuition assistance program must cover religious schools. The court said if a state uses taxpayer money to pay for students attending non-religious private schools, it must also use taxpayer funds to pay for attendance at religious schools. For all practical purposes, The decision invalidates provisions in 37 state constitutions banning the direct or indirect use of taxpayer money in religious schools. Mandates from courts and legislatures keep changing. What doesn't change? God's law from the Bible. Christians calling to follow. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. We're wrapping up a series today on C.S. Lewis called The Most Reluctant Convert. All week, we've been thinking about the unlikely conversion of Clive Staples Lewis. He had given all of his mental energy and intellect to resist Christianity. But once he met Christ, he used the same vigor to proclaim the good news of Jesus to all he encountered. He came to national prominence during World War II when he was asked by the BBC to deliver a series of lectures on the Christian faith. After this, he was a highly sought-after speaker. One of his major themes was on the problem of pain. Yesterday, I received a letter that referred to an event that took place almost a year ago now, December the 4th, 1951. My correspondent hadn't forgotten. I doubt if any of us have. That was the night a number one bus drove into a column of young Royal Marine cadets in Chatham and killed 24 of them. You remember? Now, the letter asks... Some simple but fundamental questions. Where was God on that December night? Why didn't he stop it? Isn't God supposed to be good? Isn't he supposed to love us? And does God want us to suffer? What if the answer to that question is yes? Because I'm not sure that God particularly wants us to be happy. I think he wants us to be able to love and be loved. He wants us to grow up. I suggest to you that it is because God loves us that he makes us the gift of suffering. Or to put it another way, pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. A short excerpt from the 1993 film called Shadowlands, where Sir Anthony Hopkins played an older C.S. Lewis. That lecture was based on many that Lewis gave around his country after the war. 
And today, in these next few minutes, we're going to think about some of the pain Lewis experienced in his marriage to Joy Davidman. Oh, the pain wasn't between the two of them. No, the problems they experienced came when Joy was diagnosed with cancer shortly after their marriage. Stay with me as we think more about the problem of pain and the question that comes with it. Is God still good even as we suffer? And we'll also hear again from Max McLean. He created the most remarkable film to date about the conversion of C.S. Lewis, called The Most Reluctant Convert, The Untold Story of C.S. Lewis. In the Trinity Town, 1929, I gave in and admitted that God is God, knelt and prayed, perhaps that night the most dejected, reluctant convert in all England. The voice of Max McLean, who plays an older C.S. Lewis, looking back on his life and his journey to faith in Christ. After this program, I want to send you this new DVD for your fiscal year-end gift to Haven Today. June 30th is days away, and we could really use your help to meet our year-end budget goal. I know this movie will encourage your faith, and it can also be used as a conversation starter with family or friends who are struggling with their own faith. So call us after the program. In fact, I implore you to do so. Call 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or take another minute and visit our website and check out the movie trailer. And then you can make your tax-deductible gift at haventoday.org. haventoday.org. Now let's get the program started with Shane and Shane, and he will hold me fast. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter will fail, He will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful pain, for my love is
Charles Morris. C.S. Lewis had an up and a down relationship with happiness. We've already talked this week about his mother's death, leaving him a hurting atheist at the tender age of nine. But God wasn't finished with this budding academic. Lewis described himself as the most reluctant convert in all of England. In fact, that's the title of our series this week on the program. And despite the opposition to his faith that he found in the academic world, Lewis found happiness. Or more precisely, Lewis came face to face with Joy. Joy Davidman is whom I'm speaking of, the woman who would become his wife. But that joyous relationship didn't mean that Lewis was done with suffering. Listen to what my friend Max McLean has to say about the life of C.S. Lewis and the new movie that he made about him. What we wanted to do was was capture Lewis's journey from hard-boiled atheist, vigorous debunker of Christianity. Yes. You know, his, he, had, uh, he had the rhetorical gifts of somebody like uh, Christopher Hitchens um, and could have been like him if the Lord hadn't uh, gotten hold of him. Uh, but, you know, his life was, uh, his atheism came, you know, as, as a result of he lost his mother to cancer when he was a boy. He had an estranged relationship with his father that grew mm. worse after his mother died. Mm. He experienced the senseless brutality of trench warfare in World War I. And uh, through that, he came to the conclusion that either there was no God behind the universe, a God indifferent to good and evil, or worse, an evil God. Mm. And that was the starting point for uh, his, the, the, the starting point from his uh, hard-boiled atheist to his conversion. It took many years, uh, primarily through the witness of his friends. J.R.R. Tolkien was one. Owen Barfield was another. Hugo Dyson. All three are cast in the movie. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Lewis himself explains it later that uh, what they pointed out to him was that his argument against God was that the universe was so cruel and unjust. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. where did he get this notion of cruel and unjust? He, you know, you call a line crooked because you have some idea of a straight line. Well, what am I comparing the universe with? when I call it cruel and unjust. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big step towards seeking God. And, and, if, and, and he, uh, in the movie and in the book, there is this movement towards what he calls theism, which you and I kind of think is pretty soft. But Lewis was... That was a big deal for him to at least believe in God. It was a huge deal because he saw 
belief in God uh, like Moses at the burning bush. Yeah. Uh, that I am that I am. And he, he finally, he said, you must picture me alone in my room night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted, even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that got him to God. And, and yet that's when his real conversion came. He couldn't quite understand where Christ fit, uh, fit in. And that came later, primarily through uh, conversations with J.R.R. Tolkien. Even today, in a program called The Most Reluctant Convert, that was Max McLean talking about the life of C.S. Lewis, the new movie he's made on him called The Most Reluctant Convert. Even though Lewis belonged to Jesus, all of his problems didn't just vanish. And even though he met, fell in love, and married Joy, he still had to suffer on this fallen earth, just like all of us. He married Joy in 1956, but she died of cancer in 1960 at the age of 45, eight years after she first met Lewis. This wonderful love story ended in tragedy, a life taken so young, a marriage ending when it had only really just begun. Well, Lewis dealt with severe grief, of course. I think most of us can understand that, even if we haven't gone through a similar situation in our lives. He kept journals where he recorded how he mourned. And as he tried to process the loss of the wife he loved, he began to question his faith. He even records anger at God. That sounds so familiar, doesn't it? When he lost his mother, he became an atheist. When he lost his wife, he began to question and doubt. It was the pain that did it. You know what? Jesus held on to C.S. Lewis, even when Lewis didn't know if he wanted to hold on to Jesus. But he began to understand that God moves in mysterious ways. We can't always understand what he's doing, but we can know that God is good. And that brings comfort, even if it doesn't take away our pain. Three years after Joy's death, C.S. Lewis went to see his Savior face to face, In fact, he died the same day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. The most reluctant convert in all of England was welcomed into heaven, and they lived happily ever after. We grow up with tales that end like that, don't we? Especially bedtime stories or Disney movies. And so, from the time we're small children, we have this idea of what makes a happy ending. The conflict resolves. The villain is defeated. Peace and prosperity went over. But our lives tell a different story, don't they? There isn't always a happy ending, at least as far as our earthly lives are concerned. Anyone who thinks that the Christian life is one that's free from pain and suffering just needs to read the Psalms. Mourning is part of life. But the good news is there's a greater story than your life and mine. And that doesn't mean that our lives are unimportant but it does mean that we're part of something bigger, the greatest story ever told. And it's all about Jesus, like we say every day. That's the only reason our pain and suffering can be bearable. We see that God worked our salvation through the pain and suffering of Christ, anguish so great that you and I can never gain a grip on it. Our hope of the new creation only comes to us through the pain and death of the Son of God. So with that in mind, 
Let's think about one of the most comforting passages in the Bible that hardly anyone talks about. Isaiah 26. This was the message that the Lord brought to his people in Judah through the ministry of his prophet Isaiah. They were on their way to exile. Babylon's army would be marching to Jerusalem before too long, and that's what makes the first verse so surprising. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. This is why they could find hope. Even though the earthly Jerusalem's days were numbered, they still had this city, that heavenly Jerusalem. The future promise was far better than the reality of the past. Well, this is our hope, if we're trusting in Christ. One day, we get to see the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. But in the meantime, God's people have to suffer. And that's what we read about in the middle of the chapter. Have you ever felt that tension? This is the experience of all of us who trust in Christ. Heavenly Zion is ours, but we're not yet in Zion. Christ earned heaven for us, but we can't yet enjoy it fully. We're still pilgrims making pilgrimages here on this earth. And on this earth, unless Christ returns first, death comes for us all. It came for Joy Davidman. It came for C.S. Lewis. It'll come for you and me. So how should we think about death? Is it black nothingness? Is it something to be feared? Is it the last cruel joke of a God who doesn't care about us? No, 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 not in the least. Listen to the promise in Isaiah 26, 19. Your dead will live, Lord. Their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. God delivers his people by the resurrection. In fact, this verse is one of the clearest examples of resurrection in all of the Old Testament. Why could the believing remnant of Judah take comfort, even though they knew their city would soon be destroyed and their countrymen killed or exiled? Because this greater Jerusalem was on the way. And although they would die, even if it was at the hands of a Babylonian soldier, God would not leave their bodies in the dirt. He would raise them up just like he will raise us. But what about in the meantime? We know that this resurrection doesn't happen until the end. How should we think of death today? Well, we've come to one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, at least the Old Testament. This is what the Lord says. Go, my people, enter your rooms and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until his wrath has passed by. Because of Jesus Christ, those who believe in him experience a transformation. And not just the transformation of a new life. Even in death, our very tomb or grave is transformed into a bedchamber. If you are trusting in Christ, your death and burial is like Noah being locked in the ark, or the Israelites in Egypt sheltering behind the bloody doorposts at the Passover. In other words, we who have repented and believed the gospel are God's people, and God can keep us safe even through death. One day, if Christ does not return first, you may be in a hospital room, 
You may be connected to machines and preparing to die. You may be taken in an accident at even a young age. But either way, these verses will fly as a banner over your grave. The Lord won't wipe away our tears until the new heavens and earth. But in the meantime, he's promised to be with us. And death has changed from curse to blessing. We will go to see our Savior face to face. Our struggle with sin will finally be over. We will have finished the race, just like Joy David, just like C.S. Lewis, the most unlikely convert in all of England. And only then will we live happily forever. There is a hope that burns within my heart That gives me strength a hope on this haven today. My wife and I have really enjoyed watching movies, even TV mysteries set in England. 
So when we heard that Max McLean shot his new film on C.S. Lewis on location in Oxford, we knew we needed to watch it. Well, we were pleasantly surprised. It's a top-notch production with great actors, amazing sets, but even better, the most reluctant convert, the untold story of C.S. Lewis, draws back the curtain to reveal Lewis's early life and his conversion to Christ in a way I've never seen before. I know you'll enjoy it like we did and be inspired by it. Whether you're young in your faith or have been following Jesus for most of your life, the most reluctant convert is for you. Lewis's journey to saving faith is a much-needed reminder that the gospel never stops working. And let me also say it would be a great film to share with someone who doesn't have faith in Christ. I want to send you the most reluctant convert for your generous fiscal year-end gift to the ministry. We could really use your help to make our budget by June 30th. If Haven today is a blessing to you, why don't you pray right now about being a blessing to us? And as our thanks, we'll send you this DVD, The Most Reluctant Convert. You just need to act today. And the number to call is 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or come to our website, haventoday.org. haventoday.org. And you can watch the movie trailer before you make your gift. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again on Monday when again we get to share together this great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. In the world of sports, there's always a debate about who's the greatest. Not just who is the greatest now, even though the sports pundits debate that too, but who is the greatest of all time. It's a debate that'll never end, because each generation has its candidates that can make a good argument. The disciples also love to argue about who is the greatest. At least three times we hear about them doing so. Were they debating who was the greatest disciple of all time? I don't know. But Jesus would always remind them, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's where true greatness is found, not in us, but only in Jesus Christ. Get to know Jesus more. Visit GetAnchor.com.